before we have scripture and the sermon, I'd like, it's my pleasure to introduce to you our guest speaker, who is Joni Strom. And I mentioned in the first service, the bio that they handed me was uh, all in first person. So if I accidentally say that I'm married to her husband, that's, I'm just reading this wrong. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> So it says she was raised on a farm near Table Rock, Nebraska. She graduated from Emporia State University in Emporia, Kansas with a Bachelor of Science in Education. She and her husband, Stan, uh, have four sons, three granddaughters, three grandsons, and one great-granddaughter. Stan is a retired civil engineer, and she is a retired elementary school teacher and They've lived in 16 different states. United Methodist Women became a part of her life in the early 1980s and has increasingly challenged and motivated her. After many years of being active in the local unit, she was introduced to the district team, serving on nomination committee, serving as spiritual growth coordinator, education and interpreter coordinator, and president. She is currently serving as Vice President of the Western North Carolina Conference. She serves as day lay delegate to the Western Annual Conference for her church in Weaverville, United Methodist Church. She's a children's Sunday school teacher and a choir member. And we're honored to have her today, and I don't know how they did without her today. Thank you. Our scripture today is taken from Mark 12, verses 41 through 44, and Luke 8, verses 1 through 3. Hear now the word of the Lord. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward Chuzat, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Good morning. Good morning. What an honor it is for me to speak to you on United Methodist Women's Sunday. Thank you for asking me. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you, O Lord. Amen. 
The purpose of United Methodist Women states, United Methodist Women shall be a community of women whose purpose is to know God and to experience freedom as whole persons through Jesus Christ, to develop a creative, supportive fellowship, and to expand concepts of mission through participation in the global ministries of the church. The history of United Methodist Women shows how seriously the organizers and the current members take this purpose. As you have heard many, many times uh, this, this morning, 150 years ago, and this is, that's a very um, wonderful uh, 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 milestone, March 23, 1869, on a stormy, rainy night in Boston, Massachusetts, a group of eight audacious ladies formed what is now an organization of dedicated 800,000 members of United Methodist Women all over the world. They had a vision, and through their faith, hope, and love in action were pulled together for many common causes. Much like the women who were disciples of Jesus as referenced in Luke 8, 1-3, these women, some named, were with Jesus, proclaiming the good news and providing the financial resources for Jesus and his disciples. Jesus counted on women, women who would continue his work and make a difference in the lives of women, children, and youth. Jesus counts on us, all of us, to make a positive difference in the lives of all. Those eight women in Boston were the original United Methodist women, though the name has changed many times. We're going to meet some of these ladies uh, from the past and also from the present. And these ladies that we're going to be talking about today have been challenged by God to make that difference. Women with deep faith, persistent hope, and motivating love and action. Grace Stevens was an unlikely Methodist. She was an Anglo-Indian woman from Madras, India. The British occupied India at that time, and a distinctive culture of mixed-race people grew through marriages between the British men and the Indian women. Grace was a child of such a marriage. Grace became a Methodist in 1874 while attending a revival led by a missionary evangelist, William Taylor. She first worked with and among her own English-speaking people, then she gained confidence, as women often do, and worked with the Tamal-speaking population. Grace built trust with women, and he had, she had to stand up to some men who wanted the women to be seen, not seen and not heard. Her faith led her to knock on doors, collect 17 pupils and begin teaching them English, Tamal, and the very practical uh, art of sewing. Over the years, she ran a Methodist girls' uh, orphanage, supervised nine day schools with nearly 600 pupils, a boarding school, and nine Sunday schools. She began Zanana work. Now, this is a 
a caste of Hindu women who were secluded from men and persons of the lower class, much like a harem in biblical times. These women were married off as children and strict taboos ruled their lives, but grace changed that by supervising a visitation and educational ministry. Because of that work, that Zanana work, throughout India, she attended the World Missionary Conference, one of only 200 female delegates and the only woman from Asia. It was said of Grace, she knows how to fight the good fight of faith and lead Christians into deeds of holy daring for Christ and the gospel. Her Christian life is full and complete because God governs her heart. My modern day example of faith in action is a woman who was determined to keep her United Methodist Women's Unit active. I met Frances Yelton six years ago when I visited her because of a, I was her nurturing partner in United Methodist Women. She had quite a story to tell about her faith. She was widowed, had lost her one son in death, and was a member of a tiny, tiny church with a UMW unit consisting of one member, her. She decided that she would be an active member of her church and United Methodist Women until the day she died, and that is just what happened. She died last February at the age of 95, and all through that time, she had pledged to UMW, responded to the correspondence that were sent to her by the, uh, by the district. She became a part of the Legacy Fund and prayed faithfully for UMW. She was also treasurer of her church until she was 94 years of age. Her son said to me, Mom sure did love her church in the UMW. God bless the UMW ladies and the faithful work you all do. Now, we need to ask some questions of ourselves. How has your faith, how has my faith led you to action? You don't have to establish a school or start an orphanage. You can help a neighbor, mentor a child, feed the hungry. Faith means little in our lives if we don't act on it, like the women who followed Jesus, like Grace Stevens, and like Frances Yelton. What deeds of holy daring am I doing? What deeds of holy daring are you doing? Hope in Action. One of the founding members of our organization, we've talked about that 1869 date, but we haven't said the name of this lady, Clementina Rowe Butler. She and Lois Partner called together that first meeting in 1869. Clementina was born in Ireland in, in 1820 and married a Methodist pastor from Maine. They were the first Methodist Episcopal Church's missionaries in India. They established orphanages, schools, churches, and printing presses. While she and her husband were on leave, Mrs. Butler went about the work of organizing the women in Boston to send two women to India to start a school and a hospital. Her hope was that mission work would be done, and she urged women to join as she organized a whole constellation of auxiliaries, which we now call units. 
She and Grace Stevens represented Methodist women at the World Missionary Conference in Edinburgh. She named their organization Women's Foreign Missionary Society, and she's known as the mother of Methodist missions. As often happens, a strong mother brings up a strong daughter, and Clementina Butler, who was named after her mother, was inspired by her mother. She started the first schools of mission, now Mission U. She was all about educating women, children, and youth by founding the Committee on Christian Literature for Women and Children in Mission Lands in 1912, which existed until 1989. That was the beginning of the United Methodist Women's Reading Program. She also established, I know you've heard of this, World Day of Prayer and the World Thank Offering. She and her mother were filled with hope, and that led to hope in action. Miss Jenny from Smyrna, Tennessee, is my inspiration of hope in action, and the reason I chose this scripture from Mark about the widow's might, the woman who gave every bit of her money she had for others. That was Miss Jenny. She was widowed for many years. She had worked in an elementary school's cafeteria, so she didn't have much monetary means, but what she had, she shared. She didn't have any children of her own, so she encouraged the children she saw every day to not lose hope when they were having a hard time. We need a lot of Miss Jennies. She gave to her church, pledged to United Methodist Women, and prayed for her family of school children, for her community, and for members of her church. Miss Jenny was certainly like the woman in the Bible who gave her last might. There are, ver there are many Miss Jennies in United Methodist Women. Now, do you hope for certain actions to be taken but are not part of that action? Do you, do I, pray for others? Do you, do we, give of our time and gifts for the hopes of others? We all need the hope that Jesus gives and follow it with action. In the late 1800s, Methodist women rediscovered the role of deaconesses as workers among the poor, both in American cities and in cross-culture missions. Martha Drummer, an African-American, was born very poor in Barnesville, Georgia. She was a third of eight children. Her father was a Methodist pastor who died when she was 15. Martha worked her way through Clark College, which is now United Methodist Women supported Clark Atlanta University. She worked her way by doing her, her way through college by doing house cleaning and laundry, and during the summer, she taught poor rural black children for what money their parents could afford, and I'm sure they couldn't afford much. She studied sociology, urban evangelism, and other subjects, and then she took three years of nurses' training. She went to Angola, Africa in 1906 as one of the first formally trained African Methodist deaconesses and the very first one trained as a nurse. She was a missionary sent by the Women's Foreign Missionary Society. She was in Angola for 20 years and her love in action life 
led to opening a mission station with a house, a farm for industrial training, and a girls' school. That mission still exists today. She and Susan Collins developed that girls' school and started an orphanage that were supported by the Women's Foreign Missionary Society. And as a nurse, it's interesting to read all the experiences she had from treating tropical diseases to delivering babies. And she preached when she went to the villages to care for the people. Clara Esther is not a personal friend of mine yet. I heard her speak at the United Methodist Women's Assembly last year in Columbus, Ohio, and she will be the speaker at our spiritual growth retreat at Lake Junaluska in June. That's when I plan to become her personal friend. Clara learned as a young woman from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The lo that love is the way to make a difference. She grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and was a junior in college when she came to understand about love leading to action. On April 4, 1968, she was at the Lorraine Motel when Dr. King was assassinated. She witnessed his death, and she had just heard him talk the night before when he spoke of love instead of hate and nonviolence instead of violence. Her life changed that tragic night. She left college, worked on the second Poor People's Campaign, a march from Marks, Mississippi to Washington, D.C. Marks, Mississippi was chosen because it was considered the poorest town in the poorest county of the poorest state in the nation. She later finished her degree became a deaconess in the United Methodist Church, working for people in need, went on to be executive de director of Dumas Wesley Community Center in Mobile, Alabama, and now, and now she serves as national vice president of United Methodist Women. The questions she asked herself, and questions we should all ask ourselves, what can I do to help someone else? What can I do to make life better for someone? How can I use the love I have for Christ to motivate me into action for others? I read this recently, and it really touched me. Always love one another. Is it hard? Sometimes. Is it necessary? Always. Today's United Methodist Women Unit may look different now. We have teenagers that still attend with their mothers, but now we have teenage uh, units all by themselves. We have young mothers who may have a Facebook unit or meet while they attend their children's sporting events for their United Methodist men, Women's Meeting. But no matter the way the United Methodist Women's Unit is organized, the purpose is still in their hearts, and they put faith, hope, and love in action. What does Central United Methodist Church, United Methodist Women, do to show faith, hope, love, and action? Well, let me share. They give money, service, supplies, or food, too. Now listen to this. 
Bethlehem Center, UMCOR for Hurricane Relief, UMCOR Birthing Kits, Haywood Street, Redbird Mission, Room in the Inn, Steadfast House, Meals on Wheels, Congregations for Children. Are you worn out yet? Emma Elementary, Pillows for Hospice, Bear Closet, Battery Park and Vanderbilt Apartments, College Student Dorm Supplies, Black Mountain Children's Home, Heart of the Cross, and UNCA Wesley Group. Give these dedicated women a big hand. Thank you, United Methodist Women here in, at Central. Since this is Mother's Day, I will close by telling you of two Methodist women, mother and daughter, who had organized the first official Mother's Day in the United States in 1908. Anne and Anna Jarvis thought mothers and mothering women should be honored one day a year. They were members of Andrews Methodist Episcopal Church in Grafton, what is now West Virginia. They suggested that homemade cards and carnations would be fitting gifts. We've gotten a long ways from that, but that, that's what they suggested. And the carnation flower was suggested because the petals are so tight, like a mother's love. My mother inspired me with her faith, motiva motivated by me by her hope, and urged me to put my love in action. My mother died just 18 months ago. She 